0: Hey, welcome to the Hive With Us podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Martinez. Today, we have a special guest, Chris Duff. Now, Chris, Chris, about a month ago, he came to our event in San Antonio. You are from Austin, I believe, if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, lived here for the past five years, but originally from north of Chicago. So, you know, like a lot of other transplants, you know, escaping the cold down to, down to Texas.
0: Where are you from originally from Chicago?
1: Suburb called Libertyville. It's about 45 minutes north of it. So yeah, I know folks around the area might, might be familiar.
0: I've never heard of Libertyville, but I grew up in Hammond, which is right over the border in Indiana.
1: Hammond. Okay. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that one either, but yeah, so many kind of trips usually up to uh, Michigan too to, to visit family. So I'm sure I passed through it. The uh, farthest I went
0: up that direction was I went to Skokie that I remember when I was a teenager.
1: Yeah, we're we're just north of Skokie basically. Okay.
0: Yeah, Skokie's way up there. Yeah. <laughs> I went up there for a birthday party and I'm like this is like far. And I had a I had a guy in my class. He lived in Skokie and he would commute all the way to Indiana every day for school.
1: Oh, that that's brutal going through the expressway through chicago Canada. but they left
0: early they left early they left like at 4 a.m 5 a.m it was like a two-hour drive all the way through chicago to go to school in indiana it was nuts.
1: yeah that sounds absolutely terrible
0: <laughs> they had a full-time driver
1: right oh okay so yeah had. A, to still to imagine with that type of those
0: resources why i have to uh commute so far for school I mean, I don't know. It was one of those things, but yeah. it crazy, man. So another Chicago person, I always like talking to Chicago because the only thing I kept from Chicago was my number. So I still, have, I, still yeah. have, I still have my my Indiana slash Chicago number. And that's the only thing I kept because once I left there, I'm like, deuces, I'm out.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I still got my eight four seven for my personal number. But uh, yeah, business is all, all 512 to uh, <laughs> drive that Texas representation.
0: That's funny, man. You grew up in Chicago your whole life? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for almost 30 years. I met uh, my girlfriend at the time, now now wife, you know, and probably six months after we had met, I already had some uh, mentors that were doing some work in in Austin, and this was back in 2016, and you know we know, you know Austin's—it's uh, no secret the the growth that's been uh, going on here, but uh, it, it was already trending in that direction then. And I always kind of knew, yeah, get get away from the 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 cold uh, up north, and you know, to a more you know a state that's more. Yep, friendly and exciting for business side, as well as, you know, mixing that outdoor lifestyle. And I wasn't in land back then, but, you know, little did I know after getting into this industry that this would really be the the most uh, exciting state to to be based
0: in. Yeah, 100%. 100%. What were you doing back then? What was your job? You held a position like that?
1: yeah i'm actually a physician by training so i went to medical school and yeah didn't actually practice i tried to start medical device startup coming out of medical school that crashed and burned uh (laughs) majorly picked up a lot of lessons along the way there, and then got into internet marketing, learned from Ryan Levack at Asmeth that he was actually my mentor that was, you know, based down you know, in Georgetown, just North Boston. And th- that's why I went to a couple events down here, fell in love with the city, worked for an internet or uh, a marketing agency in San Diego, remotely, you know, Kickstarter. Ah uh, crowdfunding campaigns and then I also was in the midst of that trying to start my own business too in trying to sell backyard chicken coops if if you can uh, believe that so you know that's uh yeah still to this day with uh, a number of my friends you know uh, poking some fun hey you you, you left uh, a degree or uh, you know a, a Career in in medicine to to go sell sell some chicken coops and (laughs) needless to say that that was a tougher market to uh, to break into the the margins were were not great there and then got poached away to healthcare venture capital firm based in New York. One of my close friends was working for them. So I did that for two and a half years, really built up some more investing and underwriting chops as well as marketing. And then one of my other closest friends was leaving his work in in Wall Street in 2019. We were uh, kind of best buddies from high school, and we always intended to work together, always more entrepreneurial. And so we You know finally had the timing what was right and decided hey let's uh figure out what what uh business to pursue here and we looked at a bunch of them had a big spreadsheet i mean we looked at pet insurance to dog walking to trying to build mattresses for people who want to sleep on the floor yeah some other internet marketing avenues and my you know current business partner and, and another close friend from my school they had been doing single family residences for almost a decade at that point, had about 40, 50 uh, uh, house portfolio up in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So we were potentially looking at expanding that out, bringing me in. But then we heard from some of our colleagues in the multifamily space in Colorado, they had a friend in uh, land, primarily working in Florida. We got connected with him and invested in his business earlier in late 2019 to you know 2020, right when code was hitting and... You know, it was amazing where we were making you know double profits right in March and April of 2020. Which yeah, as you can remember, it was just a, you know crazy time. No one knew where the economy was going, but clearly there were some some green shoots, and we just uh, expanded from there and, and haven't looked back since.
0: I think I think COVID COVID was an interesting time. Now looking back at it during that 2020 to 2022 period, it was definitely a very curious time to be like. I, I feel like even then, I was very new to what, like early COVID, I was I just moved to California. I mean, it, was, it was crazy, man. But looking back at it, I think there it was, it was a lot of good things that happened during COVID. And a lot of people were like, the world shut down. It's crazy. But <laughs> I mean, on, the, on the business side, I've seen so many people make a lot of money during that, that transition period. It
1: was, it was a good
0: time to learn, good time to to
1: get a lot of mistakes out of the way, too. I mean, there were some properties we bought. Yeah, back in our earlier days that we probably would have lost a lot more money buying now as the yeah, market like, got a lot more efficient and and more difficult but uh yeah you, you almost um you know couldn't lose money for you know 18 or so months back then
0: which is insane which is insane it's insane to think about but when things are trending up it's very everybody everybody looks like a genius
1: <laughs> yep exactly yeah Easy to uh, get caught in the greed and start uh, relaxing your principles and underwriting and everything. And yeah, we definitely paid, paid the price for that as, as the market started to turn. And, and I think that that's happened to to a lot of people, but um, you know, sometimes you just gotta survive and you know, more time in the market can sometimes equal success in the market. And that's what we've, uh, we've really found too.
0: So right now you are a, you're mostly serious. Seriousland.capital. So how long have you been doing that? And is that a fund backing? Yeah, so we
1: just started this earlier this year. You know, like I... Alluded to in my, uh, myself and my two partners start in land, you know, late 2019, early 2020. Initially, we ran a smaller fund. We're more, you know, institutional guys. We thought we were going to take this individual's business in Florida, you know, a million dollar business, try to scale it up to 10. But as, as you well know, in, in the land business, a lot of cow, cowboys, cowgirls in here, you know, that don't like really following uh, operational procedures and, and so forth. And, and, and this guy just, you couldn't grasp the uh, you know context of how to deal with you know serious limited partners and so forth and reporting and all of that. And so unfortunately we had to remove him pretty early on, and, and we had to take over the asset management role. Teach ourselves on, on everything in the land game. You know, a lot from you know re tipster learning from Seth as I think a lot of folks coming into to land flipping uh, do. And so again we developed some success from there. Got our investors solid returns, and then my uh, two partners and I we were just using our own capital to uh, run our our flipping business. And yeah, that had gone well for 2020, 2021, 2022 was just a down year for us in general. And I think uh, a lot of people, I'm involved in other investments too. I mean, I had a drawdown of like 85% of my net worth and other things going on, uh, Personal life, you know, baby on the way, trying to move into a new house. You know, as interest rates going up, and again the real estate market was turning. It, it, it was just a tumultuous period where we were just, you know, trying to figure out how how do we continue to make this this thing work. And so that started, you know, continued a little bit into earlier twenty twenty three. But then, you know, I really sat back and, and thought about it. And, you know, I my Two partners and I were, you know, we've always had a bit more capital backing to work with. We're you know, much better at the underwriting side compared to direct marketing. You know, we're connected with a lot more capital through our internal networks. We, we understand and can draft a lot of legal agreements, participate in, in more complex deals. Like let's try to reorient our, our business. And so this is where we look to see, you know, a lot of the coaches in, in the space, in, in the land flipping space really start to push Using OPM, other people's money, as well as opening their own funding outfits, uh, in addition to you know just direct uh, marketing themselves, and so we just made the decision: hey, let's let's try opening up funding side of our business. Market it out. See if there's you know any type of hits here. Now that the industry seems to be transitioning towards, yeah, the coach is really advocating. Hey, you know, try to scale up your business faster, even if you're giving up a share of your profits. So we started marketing in May of this year. Um, and almost instantaneously, we started getting some solid leads coming in. We did our first deal in late June. And I think we're closing in on about 20 or so. I'd, I'd have to check check on that. But yeah, by the end of this year, year to-date revenue plus, anticipated portfolio value. We're going to be closing in on between one and a half, two million or so and have about another million in expected and sales value in in, in the pipeline here. So uh, the the business really took off quickly. And and these are only, you know, smaller flips, you know, between 20,000 you know, two hundred thousand purchase price on average, and so we're trying to expand much beyond that into you know mid six figures, to high six figures, low seven figures, subdivide entitlement type deals as well, and, and that's why yeah it, it was great to to connect with uh, you, you and Anthony and and uh, some of the other folk, folks pursuing those bigger deals because you know we can match our, our capital backing with uh, with the deal flow that y'all have, and um, yeah, just a really exciting opportunity to pursue.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of opportunity. At. One thing I've noticed, I've been I think I've been in the land space for five years now, or almost six. No, it's been five. It's been five years. There's a lot of people in that lower space. So there's a lot of deal volume you can definitely get on that low on that low end of a hundred thousand dollars or less. But when you get to the higher tier level, there's still a lot of volume up there, but there's less people doing it. So it's just networking and meeting those people that operate at that at that higher threshold because they're out there, few and far between. You just gotta network around and. Make some phone calls and make some emails and <laughs> make it yeah. happen, make those connections happen because I've I've only met a few people that are operating in this in the higher level space. But man, the low level, there's a lot of people. A lot, a lot of people. I was having a, a Twitter banter on somebody buying uh, desert squares in California <laughs> the other day, and I'm like, yeah, I'm good,
1: I'll try, something. yeah. And and those are some of the hardest parcels to work. I mean, we've dabbled out there in like West Texas stuff before, you know, Brewster County and so forth, just a little east of um, uh, El Paso. and. Uh, you know, again, like most land investors, you know, you don't have a, on the ground presence in a lot of these areas and have to trust realtors and go out there. But they are they are so hard to review, even from an aerial perspective, and even figuring out access and everything. So, you know, even though it, it's more of a red ocean to participate in those and think, oh yeah, I can buy these for cheap and just finance out. But you know, in our opinion, that, that those have been some of the most difficult properties to underwrite in the first place.
0: I agree. I agree. I don't know why a lot of people go over there and I'm like to stay away from the desert, man. <laughs> stay away from the desert. People are like attracted to it at the low price points. I'm like, it's a low price point for a reason. Like, come on.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> so, you, you've done a little bit of funding. You've done a little bit uh, a lot of transactions here and there. What are some tips you could tell like new land investors to stay away? I, I mentioned the desert because I, th- I think it's a simple one, but um, simple stuff that you've seen that, like, hey, we're not even going to touch that because I just don't understand it. Or you, or you might not under you might not like like it because it's not the ideal. And this is one of the things where like us and land, we can be super specific because there's a lot of ideal properties.
1: Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. And uh, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll just plug this now because I, you know, do this day in day out. I, I love to underwrite, but you know, we we were getting so much deal flow that it was just overpriced um, coming in and and, you know we're we're getting you know a range of investors some folks who've been doing land even for you know four or six weeks even some folks who have been in the game for you know a few years And, and i get it on on the direct marketing side especially as it's become more costly it's more difficult to find Qualified deals, like you, you really want to make the numbers work. And any of the the deals that come in, it, it's it's easy to to get attached to it and just find, oh yeah, maybe I can work out the numbers this way. But that that is just a, a fool's game, especially as it's turned into more of a buyer's market, and we've just seen even more and more churn uh, in the industry where people, yeah, they get caught in a couple bad deals. And all of a sudden their properties, you know, all their cash is tied up on things that won't move for months. So, you know, we're just uh, super, super focused on, you know, really advocating for people. Hey, you, you, you have to be buying at, at the right price. Yeah, I mean, it's the simplest thing to hear. But I only mention this because, you know, a lot of the deal flow that's coming into us is you know, probably three out of four, almost four out of five deals is overpriced sometimes sometimes significantly so like double what uh, what you should be paying and and you know very easy to get caught into these and so I had you know took all of this data and just started a Facebook group called land daily diligence where Monday through Friday for an hour at 2 p.m. central every day barring uh, reschedule people can just send me in deals whether they're for funding or not. I will review them live and, and you know, on Data Tree on Redfin, et cetera, show my exact underwriting process and, you know, advocate for, Hey, we think this purchase price is appropriate or, Hey, like stay away from this deal uh, entirely. And, you know, we're national unfocused. So we see land from, from all over the place. Of course, you have to, uh, you know, treat each geography with, with, the respect it it deserves. So, you know, just to, to name a few and, you know, keeping that, that, uh, pricing side as front and center here like i always say like pretty much every day it's like don't don't lose money that is our number one rule here you just have to make sure you're not getting caught up emotionally in a deal or trying to make make the numbers work but easy ways to to get caught one uh, you know no, no matter how, how many times I mention it it it, it seems you know folks will, will send us a, a deal with uh, with some type of wetlands on it what one of the easiest things we, we might get these you know every week every two weeks we, we know how hot Florida is for for a state to go after land investing or along the east coast and almost always if you get a big parcel in in Florida w- which is rare because it, it's more of an infill type of state but if, if you get one of those sent over and, uh, you know, a seller's looking, oh, yeah, going to be able to be able to sell at half uh, market value. Um, th- there's a reason they're, they're trying to sell that to you because it almost assuredly has has wetlands on it. And yeah, a lot of people are able to track, OK, flood zone, ha- have the layering there. And oftentimes flood zone d- doesn't really matter in, in a lot of areas, especially along the, the East Coast. But uh, you always have to be using your your wetlands filter either on land ID or some of the, the free governmental ones just check in on that because yeah that can you know basically can uh, make that property completely worthless or or you can get stuck holding it for for a long time maybe have to do tens of thousands of dollars of of dirt work to uh, to even make it viable and and i speak from experience too we we got caught with a couple of those properties early on in in our business and yeah, it's it's easy to get you know turned around there, but it's a you know super quick two minute check just you know make sure you're not buying with with wetlands there. So that that's definitely a key one to to always keep in mind. Another one, know, yeah, there's there's a million I can go down, but. Uh, just to mention a couple that are more common. Another is in the infill space is really, really double-checking your utilities. Those are, again, everything on paper on an aerial can look like, oh, this is just a home run property. I've got it. But if you don't really pound the pavement, call the city, email them, keep finding somebody who has an answer for, hey, does this sewer line like actually extend in front of the property? And if not, you know, what's what's the cost of this going to be? I mean, we were looking at one in Oregon earlier this year that uh, seemed like a twenty thousand dollar buy and sell for eighty, just like perfect infill lot, but. The, the reason we could get it so low is, yeah, the, the sewer didn't extend out to the front of the property. It needed like an extra 60, 70 feet. That was going to be you know upwards of a $20,000, $25,000 job just to add that on. So yeah, it really started cutting in the margin. Plus that 80000 price wasn't a, as accurate when, when we dove in for, for some of the under underwriting, but that took a long time to figure out. You need to like actually pull up the maps and understand what you're looking at sometimes there can be water lines that you know shut off you know near the property that are you know city water and then county water starts a little bit further off we, we, we've seen that so uh, you know again i have kind of a, a million examples yeah. about infill lots specifically but yeah, really really need to pay attention to, to utilities and make sure you're, you're, you're not getting screwed over in a deal
0: yeah, I we we don't we don't really do many info lots ourselves, so it's one of those things. Really, like, I know I know the nuances, but like even then, like I still have to like double check everything because like utilities is such a big one too. Because if it's already cut up and it doesn't have it, it's gonna take a lot to get it there. And then you gotta understand the septic laws too, which is why like Texas. Yeah, that's right. Like if you understand if you understand Texas law, you just look for stuff that's <laughs> an acre or higher and info lot, and You're you're kind of straight because you can put it. You can put a septic out there. So I didn't know you're doing nationwide. Nationwide kind of throws a wrench in a lot of things, so then you have to understand a lot more in detail because I think F- Florida's a great place to flip land, and I know a lot of people are doing a lot of land in Florida. is a great place, but, man, there's a lot of land and there's a lot of flood zones.
1: Yeah, yeah, a- absolutely. And, I mean, we, we mainly did Florida for the first couple of years of our business. I mean, it's great. Obviously, it's super competitive and only been growing more so. But, yeah, I mean, national and focus, it's – I mean, what wouldn't recommend that if you're first getting into the land business. But, you know, at this point, you know, at Partners and I, we've looked at hundreds, if not thousands of deals. And, you know, if if you're careful and have a set process and and we do, you know, we, we have to, you know, multiple people sign off on, on certain parts of our underwriting before we ever wire money out. And, you know, ultimately. Yeah, it doesn't matter what land you're you're looking at, as as long as you can you know go through your you know base process, uh, and then also you know we always you know look to work with local realtors for our dispo process. Unless an originator is local to the area, that that's definitely a more uh, rare circumstance. But you know we're we're super picky about realtors that that we work with, and and we don't. Uh, necessarily, you know, try to find one that might work in, you know, a multi, you know, four or five county region. I'm always prefer finding somebody who's even sold a lot, you know, just a street or two down within the past few months. That's always the best. And and I'm fine, you know, starting a new relationship there and then just gauging, you know, less on the getting CMAs and the email paper. Like I, I know some funders and so forth will ask for that, but honestly I, I think CMAs, especially for rural lots, are not that helpful anyway. I'd rather get a realtor on the phone, ask them very specific questions about the the area, and then try to get them out to the property that we're looking at as well. Of course, we we try not to burn relationships. So I'm not uh, spraying and praying to realtors in the area. I I try to pick one at a time uh, and basically promise them, hey, we'll give you this listing if we're able to close on the deal, assuming the, the numbers work out here. But uh, that, that that's the way that we overcome some of those issues of, yeah, not having an on-the-ground presence and that, you know, I can now look at, you know, effectively uh, every state in the country and, you know, have my general principles and then also know what, what to ask for specifically based on uh, uh, people local to the region.
0: Yeah, I haven't, I haven't opened up nationwide because it's just, it's I'm not ready yet, man. It's a lot. It's a lot. When you get into nationwide, it's definitely a lot. So... I mean, you
1: never need to leave texas though i mean that's what i've <laughs> been time, finding there's a time, infinite opportunity time. here
0: no texas is amazing man but uh i i mean i i think we'll open up to other states eventually but we're not there yet man there's so much stuff happening here that i my my rule of thumb is i i invest in land where people want to be
1: Precisely. And I mean, just just to piggyback off, I mean, I I was trying to even find some data on like, you know, total cash value or just the asset value of, of land in the US. And there's not great statistics there. But, you know, even just trying to throw some estimates out, like I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Texas writ large, is like, you know, $500 billion asset class, like that doesn't seem unreasonable and like a multi-trillion for the the entire uh, country. Uh, uh, again, just kind of spitballing even looking decades out there. But something interesting about Texas, and I, I just saw this research report a couple of weeks ago, but this group was trying to Estimate in the year 2100 what what are going to be like the top ten, uh, top twenty largest uh, metro areas in in the U.S. And you know it's hard to predict anything 75 years out, uh, yeah. but they did have you know decades worth you know 50, 60 years of of census data, migration data, where are people moving, and you know that's about as well researched you can do. And and what the the top three cities in the year 2100 according to this trend. Number one would be Dallas, Fort Worth with like 33, 34 million people. Number two, Houston with just north of uh 30 million people. And then Austin, number three, with like north of 20 million, which would be crazy growth considering we're you know probably just south of like two million metro area at, at the moment. But it all you know, it really just puts into perspective, you know, where the migration trends have been. And if that continues to, to come down here, like, yeah, we just have really infinite opportunity you know all the kind of texas triangle cities you know besides houston on the east side have room to grow in all four directions and you can just you know scan on the aerial maps how many subdivide potential properties are out there it's it's just crazy to uh, consider
0: no and that's the 100 fact too because like even then like some of our properties that we subdivided developers have bought those and made their own little mini subdivision out of those so yeah. it's like the, the the little nesting egg principle. Like you get the big old <laughs> egg and you cut it up then a bunch of little eggs. And then like we've, we've, we sold to a bunch of guys that they're, they're kind of, we've sold like 20 acres. And they're kind of that 20 acres into like 30 lots. <laughs> like, <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. No, it's um, you so, know. always find somebody to, to add even, even more value to. Uh, uh, and that,
0: that's family. what I love about land. It's I, I, I always talk about this is land. Land is a buying at the bottom of the market <laughs> every time. Mm-hmm. and if you get it at a good price that's even better because you're buying below market at the bottom of the market
1: yeah yeah no it's it, recession proof as well too and when you're buying properly it and not you know trying to spec invest years in advance and just re- ready to move as as the market adjusts in in real time it's um uh, yeah it, it's hard to beat
0: are you guys jumping into notes at all or are you just strictly doing buy, buy sell cash yeah.
1: So we've done a few notes just in our raw flipping business in, in the past. And we self-managed those notes too. And now I would just use, you know, total right. company and, and loan, uh, uh, servicing.
0: Service, you know, like $20. But, case,
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. We, we didn't know that at, at the time and like, yeah, we can just pass those, um, you know, payments along to, uh, who, who we're selling to anyway. And yeah, I mean uh, us as well, as a lot of funders, it, it is more of a cash, Turnover business. I mean, because we're always looking for more deals, and yeah, if we get stuck in a bunch of notes, you know, even when we don't have an infinite capital, and so that that can really you know put the brakes on on our business. But uh, given that, you know, that there are you know kind of growing group of of note uh, note buyers who can you know buy between 70 90 cents on the dollar for notes you know sometimes you know instantly sometimes you know 3 6 months out uh, as we've learned and we've learned that from uh, you and anthony as well you know fr- from the marketing side we are super aggressive with with dispo and again that this was lessons learned especially coming into late 2021 2022 where we were starting to push you know 200 day market and so forth and we got greedy thinking oh you know like we're not going to accept this lower ball offer in our opinion at the time and then we still have to sell even lower because yeah the longer you let property sit on market the more market risk you're, you're taking anyway Things can change on you or, you know, the market can just kick you in the teeth right from the start, even if you have the best comps in the world, that that's just, you know, part part of what, what you have to live with in in this industry, no matter how, how good your underwriting is. So we've really, you know, learned from the algorithms of the, you know, Zillow's and Redfin's and so forth, the MLS. uh, that, you know, two weeks on even, you know, you'll notice your saves and views start to tank for for almost every property. And so, you know, if, if we're not getting the response that we'd like, even within two weeks, we're, we're ready to, to uh, n- knock down that price and try to, you know, bump ourselves back in, in the algorithms again. And, you know, a lot of times th- those views and saves can be misleading and, and red herrings as well. Like you don't necessarily get serious buyers um, where they say, oh, this is kind of like, you know, nice photos and you know, it looks like a nice property, but they're not actually people who are, are you know going to want to go under contract. So we've learned that as well, not to get too distracted with what, what those view numbers are. And then, yeah, it, after that price cut, if, if we might even go, you know, one, two weeks after that, depending on the, you know, absolute dollar value of the property, just keep cutting until we find that number. And again, this is assuming we're marketing properly have good drone photos and, you know, that there's nothing needing to be done, you know, soil test survey as needed for end buyer, all all of that squared away, then largely, it's going to be a, a pricing issue. So we were using this strategy earlier on, just cut, cut, cut if needed. And we probably have to do that on, you know, 40, 50% of our properties, some, you know, sell right away. Uh, But we're still averaging below four month hold times, um, which we think is pretty good in in this market. We, We know even some other, you know, more sophisticated land investors, like, yeah, their days on market have been trending upward, you know, the, even to the four to four to six month mark, that, that aren't as, as aggressive on on the cut side, but we you know learned hey if we had been offering owner finance from the start, which is what we do now, then you know if we could have found a buyer earlier on, then even if we're taking you know seventy to eighty cents on a dollar for you know the, the time the uh, a note buyer would be picking up the note, that might still be higher from a, a cash you know gain perspective to us. Uh, than if we have to just keep cutting down the the cash price look, looking for that cash buyer so that, that's something we picked up at, at you know after three or four months in the business and so yeah now we really advocate especially in rural areas offer owner finance right away just make sure that we're undercutting the market right from the start and that our property has more attractive features or maybe a couple of unique features compared to what else is, is on the market here because again uh, as I stressed before, it's more of a buyer's market at at the moment here. And it's really easy to get caught, you know, ha- having a property sit sit on the market for, for months. So yeah, to j- just have to be careful.
0: One thing I'm really gonna hit on, I'm really glad you said this too, but that first like four months of your listing is is the sweet spot. Like you gotta be actively marketing that thing because after the longer it sits, it just gets harder to move and no nobody wants to buy it because nobody else wanted to buy it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly and that's something we found too is that usually your your first leads that come in e- even if it's like within the first one or two days your property like ah you know i just listed it maybe i can get a better offer probably you know eight times out of ten the first leads that are coming in are, are going to be the best ones for your property anyway very rarely we've seen somebody come in with yep. a better offer weeks down the line
0: yep so man I, i'm really really glad you said that because it- facts right there facts right there chris knows chris knows the, the, the power but you, you got you got to take those early offers seriously because they're serious offers in most cases
1: yep yeah, yeah exactly and yeah we're we're again speaking from experience we we've we've left money on the table from uh, from getting greedy and and you know not not realizing that uh, yeah, the market was going to dry up e- even a couple of weeks uh, later after turning stuff down so yeah can can definitely take it uh, from from our loss what is a quote
0: that is yours or somebody else's that you resonate with?
1: Yeah, so I uh, actually have a quote wall right you know, behind my computer here, so I can always pull something and, and get uh, <laughs> re- reference to uh, to that. But uh, wh- one of my favorite ones is action expresses priorities. And so this is, you know, daily reminder, you know, for, for myself, and I think a lot of people is, you know, hey, we might get inspired about what other people are, are, are doing, or, you know, we make even a plan, yeah, o- over the weekend, hey, here's how I'm going to hit the, you know, Uh, the the ground running uh, this week and and so forth. But, you know, ultimately, if if you're not doing any of those things that you're even thinking about, or, you know, saying to other people that that you're going to do like that, that's not actually a priority for you. Yeah, is it, it, you know, eating right, or you know exercising and personal side or yeah, or, you know, taking my business to, you know, the $500,000 mark to the million dollar mark. If that's like not actually coming to fruition, then yeah, it, it's not Truly, a, a priority for for you and I, I'm, you know, thinking about things that that we actually have a real hand in, in control and, you know, always there's going to be some, you know, amount of luck involved with with everything. But you you, you can't, you know, fully put that uh, as the, you know, the primary driving factor for for your life here. So. You know, and I've definitely been, you know, some of the guy with with uh, you know t- talking bigger and and so forth in the past, especially you know late teens through twenties and so forth. And just wasn't getting the the results that some of my peers were were getting, and yeah, I really had to, to you know sit and and uh, you know be honest with myself of yeah, no, you're you're not actually you know taking action on on these things that that you say are are important to you, and so that that's always one of my favorite things that that I keep in in back of my mind uh, even today, just to make sure that yeah, we're we're uh, I, I'm aligned with with how I'm acting and and you know paying attention to who who around me is is also on uh, a similar track
0: awesome awesome love it man uh where can people find you online and uh please go check out his facebook group i want to plug all that stuff again go ahead where can people find you online and uh where can people learn from you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can see if you're watching on video, and yeah, seriousland.capital is our site. And you have my contact info on that, Chris at seriousland.capital or my direct phone number, 512-807-0800. Feel free to text call at any time. If you have a deal for funding, you can find all our criteria on the site. You know, base case, again, I mentioned nationwide, infill, rural, doesn't matter, $20,000 minimum purchase price. Uh, is generally what we're gonna take a look at. So feel free to send anything our way. Otherwise, again, that Facebook group, Land Daily Diligence, Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Central, feel free to send in deals for me to review do it, you know, zero cost live, you know, whether it's for funding or not. So definitely check, uh, check us out there, you know, some other social links as, as we get more active on having my VA start to set it up, you know, Instagram, TikTok and, and Axe, Serious Land, Capital, some variation, you, you, you can find it if, uh, or, or it's on on our website. So you, you can find us more there, but definitely the Facebook group and, and our website uh, is, is the main way to get in contact right now.
0: All right. All right. Thanks for coming on, Chris. I hope you all learned something. Sell your sell your properties faster than you think. <laughs> Let them go. Let them go. Yeah, that's, Hold on, that's
1: the thing. Yep, S- stay in the industry. Don't don't get caught in bad deals. And uh, yeah, you you'll be in here. You know, with, with me and, and and Daniel and, and so forth. Uh, uh, you know, ha- having freedom of of lifestyle and freedom of, of of time and money. That that's what we're all in this business for. But you just gotta you got to be patient and, and consistent with your your uh, skill application in, uh, in in real estate. Without it, out.
0: There you go. We'll see you next time. Stay tuned. Go like, share, subscribe. You know what to do. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks, Chris. Bye. All right, thanks, Daniel. I'm doing amazing. Thank you Ryan, for having me here. It was amazing to meet you there in San Antonio. Give me place to stay when when my house went out out of water. The house that I was born in. And